today's Dublin to Denver podcast with me, Colm Cronin, and delighted to be joined, as always, by Stuart Roach and a very special guest today, a man who I've had the pleasure on being on his podcast, which is the Legends of Mile High. He's also an analyst for Mile High Huddle, and he's a co-host of Mile High Insiders and Orange and Blue View. Thomas Hall, welcome to the Dublin to the Denver podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's great uh, great to be here. Appreciate it. It's nice to chat with you guys again, for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I suppose, um, you know, it, we're in that period where camp has just started. And obviously, uh, we got the news yesterday that we would be losing another piece of our defensive line who uh, to, to indefinite suspension. Uh, Stuart, um, I'll go to you first, and then we might go to Thomas as to how we're going to fix this. Uh, what, what, what was your immediate feeling on on hearing the uh, the news? Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess I had sort of tempted fate recently by talking about, you know, the days of Keep Tlaib, who would certainly uh, bring some much-needed news at various stages in the off-season. And little did I know that, um, you know, this D lineman didn't shoot himself uh, in a sort of homage to, like, like didn't literally shoot himself, but in some ways kind of did because, you know, I think he had a chance of, you know, Colin, we, we spoke about this recently that, that the D line, especially the rotation on the D line, seems to be something that, you know, has now become problematic. Um, you know, you look at the, the likes of the Eagles, just how able to sort of, you know, wheel in elite D linemen again and again, and the rotation has become increasingly important. We already going into the season had question marks over our depth in this position, and now we we've taken, you know, a pretty significant blow to that. So, you know, this is yet another sort of t- issue that has to be added to the let's get fixed list quite quickly. And Thomas, I, I guess I, I know like we don't have a huge amount of money to play around with, and, and and I'm sure we can come back to it later on. I think the good news was Javante Williams still looks like he's on track, but. We've been kind of saying, Thomas, that, you know, we're worried about the D-line depth, as I said, but we're also a little bit concerned about the strength of the uh, the running back room. Um, we don't have a huge amount of money to play with, so so we we have to get these issues fixed. And, and this was something that we really didn't need um, going into training camp, so I'm not sure how they're going to get it done because, you know, I think D-line had been an area of strength, um, but now it's, it's kind of, I don't know if you would describe it like that right now, um, even with the big money, that sort of acquisition of Allen in the off season, you know, I, I'm I'm not as 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 confident in the position as I was um, this time, you know, a couple of days ago. Yeah, uh, well, the big question that I've been talking about is is how the le- depth is going to shake out on the defensive line. I've been talking about it for a long time. I know they brought in uh, Tyler Lancaster a while back. He has question marks as well. You know, he missed all of last year due to injury. So he's been kind of one of those rotational pieces. So, you know, an experienced one. But I, I felt they needed to bring in an experienced defensive lineman before the suspension. Now, Wazirike, I thought they were, and Henningsen both, they seemed to be happy, hoping that they would step up and, and you know, make some progress in their sophomore seasons. But now that he's gone, that, that puts them in a bit of a bind, more so than there was. So this big question that I wanted to answer training camp is now a massive need, right? So they're going to have to go out and find somebody. Uh, I, I keep going back to Akeem Hicks. You know, he's an older uh, older player, but he's got experience with the Saints and Sean Payton. He's, a, you know, he's a bigger guy that can replace 
uh, this, you know, Wazirike was a, a bigger kind of defensive lineman, not a small kind of pass rusher type. So it makes sense to me to, to at least look into that as an option. But, you know, for, for me, my first, my first thought was, man, have they not made it clear enough? The NFL not made it clear enough that you cannot gamble on NFL games. I mean, you get away with a lot of stuff, but that is absolutely out of the question. So I'm a little bit bummed only you know for two reasons. I like I wanted to see what uh, what he could do in his sophomore season. I thought he made some progress last year, and then of course I'm I'm disappointed in the depth for sure. Yeah, and it is going to be interesting to see. I suppose what kind of transpires over the the course of the next few weeks and and what they look to do to to address that um i i suppose thomas given that we have you on and you are the man behind the legends of mile high it might be interesting to to have a discussion because it we we sit here uh coming off the back of over half a decade of of disappointing broncos football and when we look at the roster uh, as, as things stand, who who for you, I suppose, you know, might you um, one day be talking about as a, a legend of Mile High? Right. Well, my first thought is Patrick Sertan, right? He's obviously already all pro. He's ranked as one of the, if not the best cornerback in the league right now. Uh, if his trajectory keeps continuing on this path, I would not doubt that he's going to be, you know, fitted for a gold jacket for Canton one day. And that, that's obviously prefaced with he needs to stay healthy and continue to to move along in his trajectory. But uh, from my perspective, he's he is the uh, future legend on this roster. But there are a couple others as well. I think if they their career continues, I mean, they may not be Hall of Famers, but I like Justin Simmons as well. He's uh, I've interviewed him a couple times. Great, great uh, person to interview. Very gracious. And then, you know, I think there might be somebody uh, that comes from the wide receiver core eventually. If they can eventually get, you know, get back to where or where they were or realize their potential. So that's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Those those are two two guys that I thought Cortland Sutton was going to be one of those uh, future uh, all-stars, really. But he got injured. And then Jerry Judy has all the tools. He just needs to put it all together. And and people are projecting this year could be that breakout year for him. So we shall see. But then there's always, you know, the quarterback, Russell Wilson. He, he was on, you know, his career was Hall of Fame career. And I know people are down on him after last year, but you can't deny. I mean, he went to nine straight Pro Bowls, I think, if I remember correctly. So, you know, that's another legend that's on this current roster that I mean, any one of those guys want to come on on Legends of Mile High? I'd be happy to have them. Um, I, I it's interesting, I suppose, that you know it's the 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 two defensive players are the first to to jump to to, to mind. And gentlemen, as we have been recording this, the Broncos have re, you know released the video for the new helmet, uh, the the much trumpeted helmet, uh, which it features the the old school logo. And the two players featured in the video are Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons. Interesting that it is nobody on the uh, the offensive side of the, the ball. Look, we're all probably of a, a similar vintage and, you know, we can look back. When we talk about Pat Sertan, though, are we, are we in danger of Pat Sertan being similar to Champ Bailey in that 
he is an absolute standout from his era. He is truly one of the greats to play his position. But ultimately, due to the failures of, of the Broncos organization, he, he doesn't get the decorated honors that his talent so richly deserves. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always that risk, right? I mean, Champ Bailey it would have been great to see him get a, a championship, and he was close, right? I mean, he obviously was close uh, a couple times, really, 2005, and and then you know, 2013 was another example where you know they were just just outside of getting that. For me, from my perspective, I think having Sean Payton come in definitely helps uh, his chances of getting to that uh, Super Bowl. So. I'm hoping that his experience and whatnot can get in there. And then, you know, if, if Russell Wilson can, can turn it around and be, uh, get his old, old, uh, self back, that will definitely help as well. Uh, but you know, you have to look at, I think, I think, uh, the failings for, for champ Bailey back in the day was Shanahan's inability to draft, uh, well and relying on free agents that never panned out. So, when I'm looking at George Payton, I think he's a he's an excellent drafter. I know that uh, you know, there's still some some questions on some of his draftees, but so far he looks like a good eye for talent. Mix that with Sean Payton, I think they can solve that that issue that was kind of through Champ Bailey's prime is not having a really solid team around him, trying to patch holes with free agents and things like that that didn't really pan out. So my fingers are crossed that. Uh, Obviously, from a fan perspective, and for you know, for uh, Sertan's, yeah, uh, you know, medals, so to speak, that he can hang on his wall. It'd be great to get get that Super Bowl victory. Uh, I like the you went with, with medals there, Thomas. Rem- reminiscent of I suppose what uh, Premier League footballers would would tend to 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 go with. So it's nice that you <laughs> give the the nod to. Uh, the the European audience, uh, Stuart. For, from from your um, per perspective, um, you know, we how how confident are you that Sean Payton and the uh, Penner Group can change the the fortunes of this uh, franchise, and we can see competent offensive football. I'm I'm confident in Sean Payton, Colin, because he he's got a track record of 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 doing that very thing. Um, you know, a lot of that he was married in, in a way to, to to Drew Brees, and and Drew Brees was an outstanding quarterback. Um, the Penner Group we don't know because they they don't have a track record of this. Um, I mean they've made the right move so far. I think going out and getting Sean Payton was the right move. Um. And in fairness, I suppose you could criticize them for not acting as quickly as they probably could have done with Hackett. But, you know, was three, four, it wasn't as if they pulled the trigger a little earlier. The Broncos were suddenly going to sneak in as a wild card and make the play up. So I kind of understood why they let that play out the way it did. Um, I, I'm confident in Sean Payton, Colin, but I'm, I'm not particularly confident in Russell Wilson. Um, I think we've, you know, spoken about it. Uh, a good few times, and, and you in particular, I think you've, you've been able to sort of spot historic trends, the way quarterbacks, when they reach a certain age, when they start to, the trajectory starts to go downwards. Unfortunately, most of the history and the evidence in front of us suggests that, that Russell Wilson's not going to be able to turn it around. Um, so I do think in some ways this is almost a free hit uh, for Sean Payton because it's still not really his team. He's kind of been handed this team. 
we can see him hopefully start to 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 you know meld it in his image bearing in mind he didn't have a huge amount of draft capital to play around with this year so he you know he got mims who's probably the closest you think to a sean payton type player um but look i i think you know the the the, the nathaniel hackett era was short-lived mercifully and um, the sean payton era is, is is just about to begin sean payton's a serious football man and um, you know we talk about you know Thomas's legends. I think he would absolutely be a legend of the Saints, whatever the uh, the equivalent uh, of the New Orleans version of Thomas's show is. Um, and and you could also argue that Sean Payton is probably quite close to uh, a Hall of Fame coach. You know, uh, Mike Shanahan still isn't ridiculously, but you you think that that when the time comes, Sean Payton, even if he hadn't returned to coach the Broncos, would probably be a Hall of Fame coach or, or close enough. So you'd have to be confident in that. Um. You know, I think just going back to the point you were talking about the legends on the 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 roster currently or potential legends, absolutely, uh, Pat Sertan and, and Justin Simmons are the two that immediately spring to mind. I think it's interesting as well, if you look back when, say, Tim Tebow was the quarterback, uh, Demarius Thomas and Julius Thomas, both of whom looked promising, but not in any way, shape or form, the two players that they subsequently became when Peyton Manning uh, arrived in town. So I'm not sure if, you know, is Jerry Judy going to be able to reach his full potential with Russell Wilson? They did have some kind of a rapport last year. Uh, he, to me, of the offensive players, is the one that looks potentially like he could become that elite talent. You know, we saw it at Alabama. It was the reason why the Broncos drafted him as highly as they did. Um, you know, so if I had to pick one member of the offense, um, and, and it would be, I'd probably would have picked two or three other members of the defense before I picked player of the offense, potentially to be a legend. Uh, but if I had to, I would, uh, I would go with Jerry Judy as well, because I think he has the skill set. He's been threatening, as Thomas alluded to, he's been threatening to have that breakout season, and hopefully it will come this year, because, you know, we, we, we do need some kind of a spark. I thought Greg Dulcich flashed towards the end of the season, so he's somebody, I think, to keep an eye on. Um but uh, yeah, for me, the, the in in light of Javante's injury, and it is good to see him still looking like he's on the road to recovery. But for me, the the one with the young, unquestioned star power on offense is Jerry Judy. And Thomas, for, for you, you know, Stuart and I have kind of debated this uh, at length, and and some of our skepticism, you know, comes from maybe d- disappointment in the past. Uh, but you know, you're you're on the other side of the Atlantic. What, what's your feeling on what you expect, you know, from the, the Broncos offense this season? Well, I think the offense is going to be incredibly uh, better. I mean, significantly. The, it was so bad last year, there's only one way to go, and that's up, right? So it's going to be significantly better. The The problem with the offense last year was, to, well, a few things. One, injuries started to happen, which will do, derail any any team, right? Once you start to lose talent, it's you're you're just not going to be as good but it was very it was a what i saw from nathaniel hackett was an implemented offense that didn't work very well and then when he realized it wasn't working tried to make some changes it seemed like and it just it all be started to come unraveled really quickly they weren't crisp in training camp and they weren't uh you know they didn't play in the preseason so when they opened up the regular season they they were just out of sync completely so from my perspective, this year is going to be much different. One, Sean Payton knows how to run a training camp. He expects excellence, right? He he is uh, he wants crisp, uh, crisp practices. 
you know, there's going to be that there's not, there's going to be a stoppage of play if there's a mistake made and it's going to be corrected. And and that's what you really want to look for when you go to training camp or you're reading their parts. How quality are the reps? You know, what's the quality of reps that they're having, especially when they're tired, right? If they're getting tired and they're still uh, executing well, that's going to be a sign that the regular season is going to have that as well. So I, I'm actually expecting a much better offense from that perspective. And on top of it, Sean Payton's a great play caller, right? He's one of the best offensive play callers, you know, in the last two decades, really. I mean, he he ranks right up there. So he's going to put these players in position to succeed, uh, regardless of what their weaknesses are, right? So he's gonna he's gonna have you're not going to see wide receivers struggling to get open like we saw last year. It was painful to watch. There was ne- never a scheme that seemed to get a wide receiver open, or especially early on. You're going to see wide receivers more open, most likely from the scheme. And you're going to see the uh, what Russell Wilson does best kind of accentuated. So he's going to have a bit of a bounce back just from that play, that type of play calling. So I'm expecting an offense that's going to be considerably better. Now, do I think they're going to be a top five offense? That's definitely to be seen. I don't know. They have a lot of talent, but that talent has never really come together and, and performed well. So it, that remains to be seen. But I think they're going to be a much better it's gonna be much more fun to watch this offense than last year's offense to say the least uh yeah though i i feel i've said this before i think that's akin to winning a taller than danny devito contest if you compare (laughs) it to last year's offense how confident are you though i mean the thing is there were the injuries last year but there were I mean, we go all the way back, right? And you can find quotes from Shelby Harris from 2019, December 2019. Shelby Harris talks about he'd never been in a situation where he saw so many players down. Then the COVID year happens and injuries across the league are down by 23%, uh, which was interesting. And and there's probably more work to be done to kind of study uh, that. But the Broncos are the outliers. The Broncos injuries are up. And the same again in 2021. And then we all saw what, what happened last year where the Broncos were amongst the most, if not depending on, almost, you know, a, a bit like everything else, uh, you know, there are different kind of rankings, like QB, like QB rankings. Uh, <laughs> but the Broncos are in and around the most injured franchise. Do you think they they, they can rectify that problem? You know, because this is, this again, it's not one year issue. This has been multiple years well, they've made some emphasis on fixing it, right? They brought in uh, Bo Lowry, I believe his name is, from the Saints, who was kind of that guru for, uh, you know, keep making sure that the health remains, uh, uh, you know, well uh, it, with the Saints. And they had a pretty good track record. They changed, also changed the uh, strength and conditioning around. They actually made a concerted effort to start the, the mini camps and the, uh, you know, the OTAs with emphasis on conditioning instead of, implementing of the playbook or anything of that nature. So they made a concerted effort in order to fix that problem. And they realized it was a problem. Now, uh, you know, bad luck happens, so you never know. But from the moves they made, it gives me confidence that the Broncos aren't going to be as injured as they were uh, the last few years. However, we already we already start, see that they're starting the training camp with injuries. I mean, people that I was surprised to see that are already on the pup list. I, I knew Baron Browning was going to be on the pup list from the surgery, but you got KJ Hamlin, who's often injured, who's, you know, if he can't get on the, the field and training camp pretty soon, he's probably gone. And then, you know, uh, Purcell's already on the pup list. So 
the injuries kind of were surprising already uh, to me, but they made a concerted effort to to fix it. So hopefully that works, and uh, we'll see a, a team that is relatively healthy in 2023. Thomas, um, just uh, for any of our listeners, um, would you have a player or two that you, you would pick as somebody to watch in training camp that, you know, may not be uh, the obvious candidate. So obviously, Mims would be somebody I, you know, he, he was the highest drafted uh, player that we had due to the enormous amount of capital we gave up to get Russell Wilson. Uh, sure. But is there anyone, you know, uh, say a free agent edition that we might have picked up the things under the radar or maybe a rookie that we might have got in one of the, the, the later rounds that you think is, is somebody that you would be personally interested in, in keeping an eye out for and, and, and hopeful that they could make some kind of a significant impact in the season coming up? Well, there's a couple players uh, that come to mind that are going to impact the roster significantly in, depending on how they perform in training camp. Number one, Callaway, the wide receiver. He has uh, experience with the Saints, right? So he knows the offense. He's he's one of those that can be a fourth or fifth wide receiver uh, that you can rely on to, to you know, have, have enough uh, impact on the offense. But how he plays on special teams is going to be what you really want to watch for, right? If he can, he doesn't play, he's played special teams in the past, but not a lot. But if he's going to be the fourth or fifth wide receiver and can be very good on special teams, you're going to see a lot of wide receivers, especially ones that uh, you may not know that are off the roster. Because if he's good enough, they could go with five wide receivers instead of six when they cut down that roster, which would mean Kendall Hinton's probably gone. KJ Hamler's probably gone. A lot of those uh, younger guys are going to fall onto the practice squad. And they'll put three or you know three of them on the practice squad to call up, so that that practice the practice squad rules are so much different now they can kind of use that as special, as a like a, a minor league system. So he's number one for me to watch for because that's going to impact that's going to have greater impact across the ro- roster. So they can keep someone elsewhere if they only go with five, because Mims is going to be on the team, and then you know Sutton, Judy, and and Patrick are probably on the team if one of them doesn't get traded as well. So that's your that's your five. Then the next person that I'm really interested in is uh, J.L. Skinner. I think he was he fell in the draft. He's much more talented than his draft pedigree would uh, indicate. Obviously, he's cleared for training camp, so that injury is not going to hamper him. So he's going to get plenty of time. Big hitters like him make open people's eyes, right? They, a big hit in training camp or in preseason, we've seen it before, right? With Terrell Davis, that big hit kind of got the, everyone's eyes open, and the next thing you know, he's the starting running back and in the Hall of Fame. So, J.L. Skinner's one to me that can open people's eyes with some big hits. He's a good player, and he can make somebody else expendable in that safety group, right? If he's if he shows out in training camp, you could even see Kareem Jackson maybe cut, right? Because they may not need that that uh, uh, that experienced wide receiver, now our uh, safety. But I think they even if they decide they want that experience and that leadership, then they're going to be forced to make some tough decisions or keep five safeties, which is going to have an impact on the cornerback group or somewhere else. So I think those to me are the the two big ones. And then I have uh, you know one guy that I think can make noise that people aren't have have not been paying attention to, and that's Alex Palcheski. He's an offensive tackle. He's an undrafted free agent. Uh, the their experience they, they resigned Cam Fleming so that kind of hurts his chances but before I thought he because he's he has a Big Ten experience and tons of playing experience in college so he's coming in with really good reps good experience and and uh, rookies like that with a lot of experience on the offensive line 
can make some noise. Now, I actually think he's probably going to end up on the practice squad now with Fleming back, but I'm rooting for him. I think he's uh, I think he's got a chance to make a little bit of noise in training camp. Those are those are my three guys. See, that's exactly the reason why we got Thomas on. I, know, I, I didn't even know we'd signed that guy, and now, now, <laughs> now I'm now I'm rooting for him in training camp every day. There you go. We we were at Dublin to Denver are going to adopt him as our rookie to root for. Okay, yeah. This is also why Thomas is a wonderful follow on uh, Twitter and uh, is definitely worth checking out. Finally, though, Thomas, before we, we let you go, um, because you've been generous with your time, what is your prediction in terms of the, the Broncos' final record in 2023? Again, that might change between now and when the season actually kicks off, but as we sit here towards the end of July... Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a disappointment if they don't win 10 games. And that, to me, I think they should should get to 10 games. And the reason why I say that is, I look back, I mean, Sean Payton took the Saints from a three-win team to a 10-win team when he took over as head coach. So he knows how to turn things around. He's also done similar things that he did in New Orleans, right? Revamped the offensive line, which was huge. He's done that here completely, you know. He went out and got an experienced tight end. He, uh, you know, he's... He changed quarterbacks, obviously. That was huge. But his task is to change Russell Wilson back to a quarterback who's who's at least decent, right? Because it was bad last year. So if they don't get to 10 wins, they don't. that's going to be a disappointment to me. So I, I'm predicting 10 and 7. I think they have potential to, to go higher. But at the same time, if injuries, you know, bite, bite them again, then that could, could uh, derail that season. But I'm looking for 10 wins. And... Last year, I was way too excited, uh, hoping, I mean, everybody, I wasn't just me, thought they were contenders, right? And and uh, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I still think that would be a disappointment in my eyes because the, they have talent on the roster, and they now have an experienced coach. They should be able to, to get a winning season for the first time in several seasons. If we are hit by the injury bug again, I think it will definitely be time to bring in an exorcist uh, or, or a shaman or something at that at that point. And uh, I I hope you're right. Certainly admire the the optimism for for ten wins. Uh, I I I think I went at nine and eight uh, for. No, you did. You did. You did not go anywhere. Did I go? Did I go eight nine or nine and eight? I think I went ten and seven, and I was. I I think I think you you begin see this is how it goes now Stuart starts do it we do these the preview and Stuart counts it up at the end and he's got thirteen wins and then he goes no, no it won't be thirteen wins I'm gonna roll that back a little bit and I I count it and I'm like oh six wins I should probably move up a little bit on that and we we find uh, you know some common ground so, somewhere in the middle but at ten if we got ten wins I'd be I'd be very pleased. I would. I would have to say. I would be far, far from disappointed. I. I did count that as a, a very good season. Uh, I think then. I think if we get ten wins, it makes it very interesting. What would what would happen in terms of the QB and and everything? But look, we would love to have you back on again in the the future for people who want to check out uh, more of your stuff. Um, where can they do that? Well, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas Hall NFL, which is uh, where I I have I retweet all my stuff. Or you go to Mile High Huddle, right? You can read my articles on Mile High Huddle. Uh, I've got the top uh, position groups uh, series going on right now, so 
people have been reading reading those. In fact, it was I got I got lucky. Uh, Ken Lanier, ex Bronco from back in the day, happened to read it. Told Gil Whiteley, and then I ended up talking to Ken Lanier on Gil Whiteley's show yesterday. So uh, it's uh, those are those are fun. You can critique them. I mean, obviously the you know it's it's a matter of uh, uh, opinion for sure on those. But yeah, go to Mile High Huddle and then Mile High Huddle YouTube for for the shows. Right. So Legends of Mile High is Friday mornings, every Friday at seven a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, of course, and then uh, Wednesday night and uh, Saturday night for the other two. So. I've got I've got a lot of irons in the fire, but yeah, absolutely. Follow me on on Twitter and uh, or go to Mile High Huddle and read my stuff. Perfect, and we'll definitely have your make sure your Twitter handle is included in the show notes. And for your show, a seven AM Mountain is much kinder to people on this side of the Atlantic. <laughs> Uh, so they can check that out but for now all that remains to say Thomas Hall thank you very much and go Broncos 